greater phoenix. We can tell our story differently. A new perspective. A different look. Greater Phoenix A to Z. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Greater Phoenix A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Casey Gilchrist. It's a full show today with three guests joining me to talk about Greater Phoenix housing. Greater Phoenix is a place where people want to live with an attractive lifestyle and ample economic opportunities. And while home prices and cost of living continues to increase across the country, attainable housing initiatives are being established throughout Greater Phoenix, and the market is issuing nearly twice the single-family building permits compared to five years ago. So we're going to talk about that today. Joining me on the show from the GPEC staff is ASU graduate and AZIMA 2022 Interactive Rising Star, Jessica Daly. Welcome yep, to the show. quite a mouthful. Thank you. Is it Thank Az- you for having me. Is it Azima or A-Z-I-M-A? It's, it's pronounced Azima. Yeah. Okay, Azima. Azima mm-hmm. 22 Interactive Rising Star. Congratulations, by the Thank way. Thank you. Uh, Jess recently purchased a home in a really unique way. So tell us how your home purchase came together and how that's working for you. Yeah, so a little bit of background on me. I moved to Arizona in 2016. When I moved to Arizona, I was at a point in my life where just a lot of uh, different changes, right? I was recently going through a divorce and I was lucky enough that my sister invited me into her home to stay. So just kind of while I get back up on my feet. While I was living there, the plan was that I will stay here, uh, save money while I am going to ASU and finishing my then master's degree that I was getting. So that was the plan. Um, And I was set to graduate in May 2020. And as everyone knows, the pandemic happened and it upheaved a lot of things for a lot of people and it upheaved a lot for me personally too. And that was a point when... I was ready to purchase a home. I was just about to graduate. I was really looking into the market and it went off in a direction that I couldn't follow at that point in my life. I was priced out. It was very discouraging to think about, you know, how far I had come, how hard I had worked to get to this point only for the goalpost to just be moved in an instant. And so... Once, you know, once the market cooled a little bit, I just was lucky enough to be able to kind of sit and stay at my sister's house for a little bit, just keep saving money. But it was really getting to a point, a critical mass point. I have two children and, you know, the space is getting smaller and smaller as they grew bigger and bigger. And so it was really at a critical mass point. Um, When I started looking again, the market had cooled a little bit. So it was in my favor. I started looking just a little bit more casually. And there was a house listing that came up for sale. It was around 50000 over my budget of what I was really comfortable spending. Um, but I read a little bit more into the details and it said that in order to qualify for this home, you have to meet certain income requirements. Um, and if you do, then you have the opportunity to get 35000 and down payment assistance towards this home, which then really lowered the cost back into a range where I'm like, okay, I think I can actually move forward with this. So I moved forward with that. It was a sale that my realtor had never encountered before. It was a sale that was really unique. And it was done through this organization called Newtown uh, CDC. And I was able to submit their application, go through a couple of... um, 
beginner home training courses with them that mm-hmm. they provide. Uh, what was so cool about this home sale was that Newtown really designed a way to keep housing really affordable for the first-time homeowner. I was a first-time homeowner. Um, I did not have a lot of capital to begin with, but entering this home was was so easy thanks to their help. The way that it is set up is that the CDC owns the physical land that the house is on and me as a buyer and buying just the value of the home itself, which significantly lowers my cost as a first-time homeowner. Uh, The land itself is on a 99-year renewable lease, which is, uh, you know, set for $35 a month that I can, you know, continually renews. Mm -hmm. And what's great is that the program really works to keep housing affordable for generations to come. So at the point when I am ready to move, I'll still be able to make equity off of any appreciation. But then a percentage of that equity is going to go back into the house, into repairs, into the next homeowner, so it can be affordable for many, many years. Awesome. And can for the listeners who might not be familiar with the program, where is where did you buy your home? Like what area of the valley? Yeah, I bought my home in Gilbert, in Gilbert. which is good because it's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so to have the opportunity to raise my children where I grew up, yeah. it's pretty amazing. I feel lucky. Absolutely. Well, I know that that was probably like a feat because I'm currently in the home buying process. So hearing your story gives me a lot of hope and we have a lot to cover on today's episode. And it is a challenging topic because it's such a hot topic and controversial topic in many ways. So we've asked two experts to join us on today's episode. Our first is a graduate of the University of Arizona, the University of Notre Dame Law School, and the University of San Diego. It's also a published author of the book, Fit in the Middle, Your Belly May Be Telling You Something. He has more than 20 years of experience in business law and is the business development officer for the Maricopa County Industrial Development Authority. Welcome to the show, Greg Gelfie. Can you you explain this book title for me really quickly? (laughs) Yeah, Fit in the Middle is revolving around what's called a metabolic syndrome or sort of the aspects that make for people with high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And it's uh, so fit in the middle. Generally, when you see a large belly on a, on a male, um, they also tend to have other, other physical potential ailments. Oh, wow. So the idea behind it is what is metabolic syndrome, what is you know, causing mm-hmm. some of these issues, and then how do you work um, to limit those? He's a multifaceted man, everyone. We will say that. Um, Our second expert has three decades of experience in economic development, real estate advising, and development in Greater Phoenix. He was a senior advisor for Senator John McCain and has served as chair of several influential organizations. He is a real friend of GPEC, and we're excited to have him on the show. Welcome, Steve Betts. Thank you very much. All right, so let's start with something simple. The valley is growing, and that's what's really impacting this housing conversation. Why are people moving here, and what has kept both of you here in Greater Phoenix? I'll start with you, Greg. Well, what kept me here, I'm born and raised here, moved away for schools and for a little bit to San Diego. But really, it's um, two things. The weather here is just fantastic nine months out of the year, and it's not awful, in my opinion, the other three months. And also just the ability to make your way here, I think is unique to Phoenix. If you're not, if you're not from here within a couple of years, you can, 
ingratiate yourself to the community. People are very open to mm -hmm. being here, to bringing new people in. Mm -hmm. um, if you're if you're bringing something to the table, what, regardless of what that is, whether it's just being friendly or in business, you're everybody's well. People welcome you here. You don't have there's no pedigree test yeah. to come to Phoenix. So that's kind of what you know, I was born here. But what brought me back here was that. Awesome. And what about you, Steve? I think the word opportunity um, is what brought me here, what keeps me here, and I think is what is bringing other people here. I, I came here in 1982, um, so literally four decades ago, and um, for the opportunity, came here from the Chicago area mm -hmm. right after law school also, and because really no glass ceiling here. You, you can make of whatever you want to uh, with your life here. You, you didn't have the kind of built-in sort of either class system or, uh, or, or so many folks above you in, in corporate life or, or law firms or other places in other big cities. And, and, uh, but I think it's not just societal and, and the business, but, but the opportunity to, to recreate, the opportunity to, to build a family. But, uh, but lately, I think the, the way we've reinvented, reinvigorated our economy. We've got now this sort of tech industrial uh, sort of resurgence of our economy. That opportunity is what is now bringing so many people to to the valley, to the state. We, we literally have a tidal wave of, of jobs coming to the valley, and which is bringing population here. And so it, it's, it's really population tied to jobs. And, mm -hmm. and yet those jobs are, are at this sort of middle job wage mm -hmm. level that that I think we're struggling to build housing at that job level, right? Yes. And that's the challenge. Mm -hmm. We're we're not building housing to match the kind of jobs that we're attracting. And and we've got to do a better job of that. Yeah. And we're going to dive right on into that. Um, affordable housing can kind of get it. It's a controversial word to some. Um, it's like a curse word in many ways. <laughs> but I know, Greg, a big part of what MCIDA does is provide affordable housing options or solutions for people who are interested in buying a first home. Why is affordable housing important and who is actually getting it? Well, affordable housing can be either low-income housing in which you know, sort of subsidized housing, mm -hmm. or it could be you know up, up to workforce housing. They get sort of mixed together. But the, the issue is you know, if you're coming here or if you have a job here, where are you going to live? Mm -hmm. um, and you, if you look at sort of cities, like larger cities like San Francisco, they price themselves out of a teacher. They price themselves out of any middle income people. And eventually they, you know, they start to, you don't get people who want to work there. Mm -hmm. um, and Phoenix is, I think, in sort of an inflex point where they have, um, they still have okay housing, but it's starting to really break in the last five years. And if you don't have a place to live, if you have to go an hour out to find a place to live, you're eventually either going to, you're going to find somewhere else. Um, mm -hmm. Or what, what do you do then? You start moving in with people, you start figuring out you know, alternatives, but none of them are great alternatives to actually finding a place in which you can afford without stretching your income to mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Jess shared her story about the program that she utilized, but what specific initiatives or programs has the Maricopa IDA implemented to kind of address this, this situation with affordable housing? We have a, a number of programs, one of, in which we issue bonds or tax exempt bonds. And with those come tax credits, low income housing tax credits. And so for a, for an apartment style, you have, 
as your developer, mm-hmm. you get access to a lower interest rate loan and also some equity with the um, tax credits. And with, if you agree to that, you also have to agree to rent to a certain mm-hmm. population of that's their, their income is below a certain amount, um, a certain percentage of those. So that's one aspect. And that's IDAs in general do that. Mm-hmm. And the other one we do is called the Home in Five. It's a down payment assistance program where if you go to buy a home and if you're against income limited, but it's relatively high, you get access to a three, four, five percent down payment assistance towards mm-hmm. your house. Um, and that, that's been around, well, it's been different aspects of it, been around for a long time, but the one current program has been around about 11 years. And to get a sense of where we had in the housing market, we started that in 2012. The average loan for that program was $175,000. Now it's about $400,000 really? for, for the same exact program. And the assistance, is it is it a loan or is it just a grant for the homeowner or home buyer? And there's different ones. So some of it is a, a forgivable mm-hmm. grant, so it forgives over time. We also have some that are repayable once you sell, if you refinance or mm-hmm. you sell the house. So there's different opportunities depending on your situation. Okay. And Steve, just for your perspective, what are your observations on just in general from a high level perspective on Phoenix's housing market? So that used to be one of our greatest advantages uh, in terms of economic development and our ability to attract employers and attract businesses we, we had, uh, there's something called the affordability index mm-hmm. uh, the, and housing affordability. And and typically we were in the 80s in that affordability index in the mid 80s. And we have dropped into the teens on the affordability. We have dropped that low just in the last three years. Uh, we've dropped that low. And uh, and we, we've gone from one of the most affordable uh, housing markets to one of the most unaffordable. And um, uh, I would I would use as maybe the the canary in the coal mine uh, Seattle and maybe San Francisco before mm-hmm. that and you mentioned San Francisco uh, are are two economies that you can look at and you can say wow those are those are two really terrific cities that attracted some great employers and sort of reinvented their economies attracted some great employers but they didn't get out in front of their housing mm-hmm. situation to make sure that they built enough housing for the jobs that they were creating. And sort of look at the circumstance they're in now in terms of their housing crisis and their homelessness mm-hmm. crisis. And Seattle now has literally four times the homelessness population that we have. And it's, and it's because they have not been able to build housing. And, and, and yes, we do need to build housing at that low sort of uh, affordable number. Mm-hmm. But frankly, just attainable housing attainable. Uh, at, at that workforce mm-hmm. attainable, mm-hmm. that so-called missing middle piece mm-hmm. is is really... And, and there are a number of government programs we can use to build affordable housing for people that qualify, that has a number of different tax programs and mm-hmm. other... There are state programs, there are local government programs. The IDA does a terrific job with that. But frankly, we can build to the missing middle. We can build attainable housing without necessarily the government assistance if government just cooperates, Mm. just works with us to make sure that we have entitlements, Mm -hmm. make sure that we have uh, infrastructure, make sure that they they give us, basically they get out of the way of private development to allow us to develop in a way that isn't so 
burdensome from a regulatory or a cost standpoint that we can work backwards into a performa to build a home either for sale or for rent. Sometimes that means density, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. Attached housing is much less expensive than unattached housing, and yet we don't build enough attached housing yes. in this marketplace than you see in other cities in this country and around the world. Yeah, Jess and I were talking about that earlier, just needs are changing and Mm -hmm. Phoenix is attracting a lot of younger people Mm -hmm. to the Valley. And I'm speaking on behalf of myself as a 32 year old. I don't want a big yard. Yes. I don't want, I don't want the upkeep. I want attached, attached housing is attractive to me. Patio home or a townhouse or, and you see that in so many places again, Mm -hmm. across this country or around the world. And so many people would love to live in that situation. We just don't build a lot of those either again, for sale or for rent. Yeah. And if they are, trust me, I'm looking. So if anybody knows of any, Un, like underlooked neighborhoods in central Phoenix or south Phoenix, please send them my way. Um, <laughs> but I'm, they ex- I'm about to build one of those communities. Okay, we'll have to talk. Um, so I, I 100% agree. I think you made a comment, Greg, about San Francisco. A lot of people moved to the outskirts and thereby internally services suffered because the great teachers aren't living in the city because they can't afford it. And so thereby the children are suffering. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. It's something I hadn't considered as it relates to housing. It's it essential has this, workers. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's your cops, it's your firefighters, it's your teachers, it's your nurses. Mm-hmm. It's all the people that we want to have around us, but yeah. they can't afford to live around us in the neighborhoods that we all live in. And, and yet, unfortunately, a lot of the neighborhoods rally against mm-hmm. attainable housing, yeah. sadly. Um, yeah. And what they don't realize, they're rallying against their essential workers. Yeah. Um, it's really too bad. Uh, that's that nimbyism, that not in my backyard mm-hmm. that they fight against. What are some of the biggest misconceptions, like misconceptions that the communities have about attainable and affordable housing? So one of them is is that point about about who it attracts and that that's the thing that frustrates me the most is that it brings undesirables to our neighborhoods kind mm-hmm. of thing and, and again we try to talk to our elected officials our local elected officials and appointed officials the ones that serve on a lot of these boards and commissions and say look it it, it, it really is the people you want in your neighborhood they're, they're the people that actually work with you they, mm-hmm. they they are the people that that serve your communities the best and and so they're, they're the people that work with you every day to serve you in so many different roles so that is a common Common misperception as to as who in fact needs the this uh, either rental housing or relatively inexpensive for sale housing that is this attached product. Their condos, their townhouses, mm-hmm. their patio homes. The second though is you you hear oh it's going to clog up our streets. It's going to put more burden on social services, police, fire. We have something, actually, we have a rental tax in Arizona that, that helps to pay for that. And what a lot of people don't realize is that particular tax was put in place to actually help to pay for the social services oh, and for the infrastructure. That. Yeah, it's a TPT. It's a transaction mm-hmm. privilege tax that's actually on this multifamily housing to help the local governments to pay for mm-hmm. the services that come with this density housing. And a lot of folks don't realize that they pay their fair share. They pay that burden. And there's also impact fees and other kinds of things that go with that. And so they do pay their fair share and they pay for the cost, the impacts of the and um, 
And, and so there's a lot of misperceptions that come with density housing, with apartments and, and with attached product. And, um, and so we have to sometimes sort of talk people through it a little bit as to why it is that we need this product. And, mm -hmm. and it's the young people. How do we keep young people here? How do we keep their kids here? How do we, yeah. you know, make sure that, that we attract the young people to stay in our neighborhoods? Mm -hmm. Greg, what about you? I mean, if you think about affordable housing, the next step is homelessness. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a place to go, you're going to go somewhere, mm -hmm. um, which means, you know, we have our, a growing homelessness program. And you can say, you know, people have all sorts of reasons they think that people are homeless, and all of those are correct. The, the thing is, is often it's you're a bad paycheck away from being there. Mm -hmm. And nobody ever talks about their homeless experience ever, uh, even if they've had it. It's something they, you know, it's... They don't talk about, but when you go down to the homeless campus mm -hmm. down there, if you get into the campus itself, they're us. Mm -hmm. I mean, some yep. of them just got into bad situations. Some of them got, got into, some of them do have mental health issues yeah. and some of them lifers out there, but most of them are people who just happen to have a bad luck, twi you know, two bad paychecks and mm -hmm. they don't have the people around them to help them. Mm -hmm. And Guess what? Where do you go? Mm -hmm. You don't. You go somewhere. So when you think about affordable housing, say not in my neighborhood, it's going to be in your neighborhood, Eventually. whether it's affordable or homelessness. Mm -hmm. Especially, I'm talking about now. You know that that level of housing, not mm -hmm. workforce. Um, you can you take care of it one way or the other. But if you don't take care of it, you're going to have Seattle, San Francisco, L.A. places that Portland, these, mm -hmm. Portland, mm -hmm. these giant homeless communities. Um, mm -hmm. that, and that is those stories. You're exactly right that they did not get out ahead of it because they're. Their housing became so unaffordable that people ended up on the street. You're exactly right. Are there any cities here in the Valley that, uh, and you can call them out specifically, but are there any communities or how is our community addressing that and getting out ahead of it? Are there any programs that are kind of in place, any cities that are doing it well? Sure. I mean, I look at the city of Tempe sort of jumps to mind because you know, mm -hmm. they've, you know, they've looked at that straight on, right? Mm -hmm. We have an issue. We're going to figure it out in, in the mayor there has he's put himself out on the you know in front and just taking I'm just going to take the hits but we're going to figure out affordable housing mm -hmm. and looking at it you know we have we have land what do we do with some of this land because it how do you pencil something out to make something work mm -hmm. no one's doing it for free the, the developers are not necessarily making billions millions on it but they're not doing it for free and so it, ultimately you know you're looking at a bottom line number if you can't make it work you're not building it regardless yeah. of how much you push somebody so you know land costs you know some place are doing a good job of that. They can make it so burdensome that it's just not worth it. In fact, it's so not worth it, they don't even try. Oh, right? wow. At some point, you just say, it's not, I'm not going to the city ever because I know even if I get to the, you know, the 99th yard line, they're gonna, they're, they may not approve it mm. or they say we're going to and then they don't. So there's a lot of that. As far as programs go, there's, you know, there's you know, voucher systems mm -hmm. in which people, again, are some apartments don't want to take those. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's different you know, assistance programs in, um, in addition to a, you know the IDAs and cities have to just help with getting a house. Yeah, yeah, I or definitely. getting an apartment. Yeah, I, I know for speaking about like the profile of the person who wants just an affordable home. It's me, it's Jess, mm -hmm. it's the people who mm -hmm. work here at GPEC. It's the your adult children that want to stay here in Phoenix, but they can't afford it. Those are the types of people that are looking for these solutions. And it's not, it's not, 
we need to dispel that, that mm-hmm. misconception and that image. So Greg, Greg's giving you an example of Tempe for affordable housing. Mm-hmm. I know they have a program, Hometown for All, or some, I think was the name of it, but where they actually are incenting affordable housing. Uh, so I would give you two examples of what I'm doing with attainable or mm-hmm. workforce housing by design, where we're not looking for incentives or actually financial assistance. We're just looking for more cooperation mm-hmm. to help to design, to build, to an, to an attainable price point, that 80 to 120 AMI workforce housing. One, again, is Tempe. Uh, so went to the mayor and council and said, look, help me to design and build a product that is at this workforce housing price point without you having to give us any incentives, any dollars or anything. And we're now under construction with something called Dwell, which is a it's a live-work product. It's a, it's a rental product, but it's for people that want to work from home, part-time, full-time. So the amenities are a bit lower, so no pool, party deck, rock climbing wall, movie cinemas. Uh, so the amenities are Zoom rooms and meeting rooms. And so it's a, almost a almost a collaboration between um, like a WeWorks and an apartment mm-hmm. complex. So you can work from your apartment, you can work in the amenities of the apartment. And they worked with us on that, on, on keeping the cost of the apartment project a bit lower that mm-hmm. way without the fancy amenities and keeping the cost of the design a little bit lower. Not And ultimately, when we got to the city council hearing, I, did, I described it as, look, if you, if you design a Hyatt Regency, you get Hyatt Regency prices. Mm-hmm. If you design a Hampton Inn, you get Hampton Inn prices. Mm-hmm. Hampton Inns are fine. People yeah. love Hampton Inns. That's what we're trying to design and build was a Hampton Inn. And, and we'll get Hampton Inn prices that way, rents in this case. City of Phoenix is working with us on that too. That's the second example. And City of Phoenix is working with us on that at a much grander scale called Metro Center Mall redevelopment. Ah, yes. At Metro Center, we're going to be, we're just starting the demolition of mm-hmm. Metro Center and at Metro Center, we will end up with almost 3,000 dwelling units there. 3,000 is a huge number at the at light rail, at the end of the light mm-hmm. rail station there. And, and so it'll be TOD, transit-oriented development, 3,000. And virtually all, if not all, of those 3,000 will be at that sort of attainable price mm-hmm. point because the city really worked with us in partnership to bring down the cost of that infrastructure and the cost of those amenities that are going to go in there, which brings down then the cost of the apartments. Yeah, yeah. I look at some of these complexes and I'm like, I don't need a movie theater. <sighs> I don't need a jacuzzi. Like the pool is hot enough. <laughs> so I, I appreciate when there are developments that don't always include that because it does lower the price significantly uh, from a rental perspective. But Jess, do you have any insights or Yeah, actually, it was, um, we were just talking about this earlier, too, about how um, the housing model seemed to be so centered around this idea of a nuclear family and how needs have changed. And, you know, pandemic taught us a lot from working from home and how humans can adjust and the variation that Mm -hmm. humans live. And I think accommodating for that is is key to really making it equitable. Yeah, and I'm just interested to hear more about if there's any incentives for developers to really, or is there developers look at affordable housing with through that same lens of, you know, prejudice that others might, is the incentive still there for developers to invest in affordable housing? I'll give you one today, which mm-hmm. is financing. 
So as we sit here today, there's the, the debt, more the debt, but some of the equity markets uh, are starting to cool a little bit toward multifamily nationally, a little bit here locally too. And so if you go to a bank and, and talk to a bank about, yeah, I want to do these class A luxury apartments, they're going to go, eh, you know, there's a lot of them out there right now. And I'm a little nervous about your ability to push high-end rents. But today, if you go talk to them about doing attainably priced apartments at this missing middle, they'll get pretty excited about that because they know that there's a good runway. There's a a good demand for rent at that. So if you can design a product and at a good location close to jobs that that isn't too highly priced, you're going to have a much, much better shot at putting together that capital stack and much better shot at getting it uh, financed. And so, so I think there's a real incentive today at being able to design and, and build and get it financed if you can k- get it into that missing middle slot. Mm-hmm. Right, and past the barriers yes. that yeah. also exist. Yeah, and on the affordable, affordable side, when you're coming down to like tax exempt or, or low-income housing tax credit area, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, there's only a few, I'd say, developers who go down that because it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, you know, it's a long haul return-wise. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the, one of the issues with that is what's called wraparound services, something he kind of alluded to in the sense of all these amenities you have to it. And if you try to develop, especially in the 9%, the, you know, the, the highest equity um, tax credits, you know, they require a ton of wraparound services. Well, that, that's great, and some of them are needed, but often it raises the cost. I mean, again, it's just a numbers game for a developer. They're just looking and say, well, all these other things you're adding to this add to the cost of this program. Uh. And you say, well, these are great things and they might be. However, ultimately what you need is affordable housing. Yes. And if you can cut out two, $300 a, a unit a month on somebody, you, you open up way more yeah. people who can afford right. that or are not taking their last many, right, mm-hmm. at the end of that. Mm-hmm. And so you you see it again. And, and I think he's he deals with it way more than I do. But when you're looking at what when you want affordable and you want wraparound services, you, you should be specific about wraparound services and they should be somewhat limited to make sure it's still affordable yeah. or, or there's going to be developers who are willing to invest in it. Hmm. Understood. And one other thing that just came to mind is our construction oh. <laughs> like situation yep. here in greater Phoenix. I know for me, I'm trying to time my buy specifically with interest rates and mm-hmm. with <laughs> buy like getting in before my rent expi- like my rental lease comes up and there are, there is product being developed but it's two, 18, 24 months away from now. How is the current construction situation really impacting the ability to build new products mm-hmm. here in the Valley? So, so um, the answer is it depends on the product. Okay. That r- right now there is a bit of a, maybe a pause would be the mm. best word on single family. There's a bit of a slowdown, a bit of a, maybe a catch a breath with mm-hmm. the single family home building uh, and because of that, and a lot of it is because, as you mentioned about the mortgage, uh, I think a lot of people are sort of waiting to see what happens with mortgage. Well, because of that, um, it's allowed some of the pricing on wood and other products to to finally catch up and some okay. of the supply chain issue. Well, that has actually helped a little bit on, on what's called type four construction, type five mm-hmm. construction of some of the multifamily. So, so some of the product that I'm building in this missing middle, we've mm-hmm. got 
three different products we're rolling out now for attainable housing, but all three products are type four, type five, where we're using wood frame construction. That's actually the pricing is getting much better. Oh, good. Uh, the, the one element of that that's still fairly expensive right now is concrete. Mm. And the reason concrete's so expensive is because the other part of our economy is still blowing and going quickly, which is industrial. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. concrete is still being used very, very uh, much in the, the in our industrial area with all of these plants being, mm-hmm. you know, with Taiwanese Semiconductor and so many other plants. Mm-hmm. So concrete is still fairly expensive, but a lot of these other areas are starting to come down a little bit, which is helping a little bit. Labor, though, is the other problem, uh, uh, that we still have a bit of a labor problem. A lot of the contractors are struggling, a lot of the subcontractors struggling to find quality labor mm-hmm. at, a qual- at a decent price. And, you know, if we could solve some of the labor issues, if we could bring more labor in at a decent price, and some of that is an immigration issue. I don't yeah, want to oh, touch the third rail. That could be rail. a whole other Thank episode. You. I, I was going to say the same thing. I'm not sure we want to get into that situation too much, but... Mm. Uh, labor costs have yeah. gone up dramatically. And, and so although we're starting to solve a little bit some of the materials mm-hmm. costs, we have not really started to address some of the labor costs. Interesting. Um, I know I was chatting with a friend. I said, if only I knew how to nail things into wood because yeah. I would be in high demand right yeah. now. I could sell the surfaces. But then the other type of construction, though, is type one, type two, which is mm. more the, the concrete, steel, glass, and, and more vertical. That is very expensive now because, again, concrete has gotten so expensive and steel has gotten so expensive. So the, those are, uh, as you go more vertical, it, it, that that has not come down much. Yeah, so. and Steve, I've heard you made a few comments during our board meetings about potentially redevelopment of product mm-hmm. in center cores, that office is not being used, but I remember you yes. saying it's very expensive to convert. Is there any product? product here in the Valley that's currently underutilized that mm. could be converted into affordable or attainable housing? Yeah, great, great question. And, and if, again, if you look nationally and somewhat internationally, it, it really is office that, mm-hmm. that people are converting. And we do have some product here that if, again, if you plopped it down in another city, you'd see it being converted. Mm-hmm. It, but it's not for the faint of heart. It, it's just, it, it takes a special talent mm. of, of, of folks, of a team to convert office to residential architects, builders, engineers, people like that. And we don't have a lot of those folks here that so far have done. We're, now we're starting to see people coming into the valley, into the state that are starting to look at that because we do have some buildings here that that could be converted. And But when you look at it, and I won't get into the gory details, but it's, it's all about the depth of the building because think about, you know, you don't want to be in an apartment that's too deep that mm-hmm. that doesn't have window enough, enough glass enough yeah. uh, light into your into your apartment so you don't want the building to be too deep if you're going to convert it the skin of the building uh, the glass you don't want to take it all off and have to put all new skin on it mm-hmm. and so you'd like to have some skin on the building that you can open it up a little bit because you want some fresh air if right. you've got an apartment or a condo and so a little bit about the skin the floor to floor the height of, mm-hmm. from from floor to ceiling and how you can so because you, you don't want it to feel too claustrophobic in there you're always going to have to convert the the AC systems and things like that so that that's a given and then the location and parking you know, mm-hmm. can you, is it walkable to something? Is it walkable? Is, are you close to transit? Are you close to, can you get to a grocery or shopping or, 
or coffee shop and do you have decent parking and things like that. Uh, but think about, especially up in our central corridor mm-hmm. and, the, you know, and there's a lot of places in the valley where you, all those things, yeah, you can probably see that working. And uh, so I think we'll start to see some buildings converted eventually. Yeah. And especially it's all, it's a trendy mm-hmm. thing to move into an old like prior yeah. factory or something like that. And now that uh, factories are tough though. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, again, in other cities, but can we do that? And an attainable price point. Man, I would love yes, it if we could do that's that. That's very true. And, and make it at a yeah. not where they're super expensive. Yeah. Like, again, where you're seeing it happen is in cities where the rents are so high that they can afford to make that work. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see it happen here at a, at some rental rate that's affordable. That's a, that's a good point. Do you see any of? Uh, um, hotel to apartment conversions around here? Well, yeah, we're, we're doing, if, it's interesting, you're starting to see some cities pick up some... Uh, Thick some, Mesa. Yes, thank you. Yeah, they're buying them, but for uh, for either homeless folk mm. population or affordable, yeah, but no, those are just little two-story walk-ups and the, the, the and, and but right now, the hospitality industry is one of our our best asset classes, and so you're not seeing a lot of a, a lot of hotels come back to the market. The project on Central and Camelback that was a conversion, yes, um, which probably would scare lots of people from doing yes. that. Again, are you, are you familiar with? I'm that very familiar, and actually, for the listeners who aren't aware, oh, would you want to describe? I'm it? sorry, yeah, Se- yeah. Se- Central and Camelback. It's it, that would be the southeast corner of Central and Camelback mm-hmm. is an office building, and, and and if you look at that, it should have been a perfect one to do because it, uh, if you don't know, it has a, actually a uh, what, do, what do you call atrium. A atrium? Thank you. I couldn't come, come up with the word atrium. It has an atrium in, inside it. So, so it it wasn't too deep, right? And so you could create then apartments or mm-hmm. condos that aren't too deep inside. And so, in theory, it should have been. But uh, as they got into it, it just had a lot of construction challenges, mm-hmm. and they had to recreate the whole skin on it. They ended up hitting some water challenges underneath it. There are some water quality challenges underneath it that they hit. And then they had some contractor challenges. They had to switch contractors in mid-gear. Anyway, it just, it it, it ran into challenges that you shouldn't have had to have, unfortunately. And so it's taken much longer to complete than they should have. And time kills all performance, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's why the city is working with the developers. Yes. is so crucial because yeah. time but saves I got to say, in the end of the day, it will be beautiful. It, it really is turning out to be a beautiful project. The other one that was converted is is uh, one Lexington, one Lexington at Central and uh, and Osborne, yes. southeast corner. Beautiful conversion. Yes. Unfortunately, it was converted right before the Great Recession, um, mm. and and just timing was a, a bit of a problem on that one, but. Uh, is a wonderful office to condo conversion. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, we could probably go on for another hour about housing. So I think we're going to wrap things up. Um, so Greg, last question for you. Are there any resources or additional information that you'd recommend for the listeners who want to learn more about affordable housing in Phoenix or the work that you're doing at the Maricopa IDA? Where can they go? Sure. There's two different sites. Uh, MCIDA.com is our site. And then for the Home and Five program, which is called Home and Five Advantage, that's homeandfiveadvantage.com. And that one describes the different down payment assistance programs. And then MCIDA describes what, in general, what we do. Awesome. Thank you. Everyone get in touch with Greg. Um, And Steve, last question for you. What resources or tools would you recommend to the listeners who are interested in learning more about the Phoenix housing market? Um, Are there any websites that they could go to to, you know, learn about these opportunities for that middle 
tier. Missing middle, yeah, right? Yeah, the missing middle. Uh, uh, I don't know that I have any websites, but I think some organizations. Yes. So ULI, Urban Land Institute, is really working hard on this and very, very good at this. So I would talk to them. Uh, Valley Partnership also working with us. I know that the Multifamily Association, uh, I know that they they were working with Senator Kaiser on that mm-hmm. legislation. Again, I don't know that we need legislation, but but their their hearts and, and their research was in the right direction uh, with a lot of things they were looking at at how they could reduce uh, the burdens. I know that former Mayor Johnson was working on with a group called uh, Home Arizona, mm-hmm. it was a, sort of a, a nonprofit group that was sort of advocating yeah. for this, and and they they came up with a lot of really good ideas. But really, it's all about work, just working with your local governments. And I think if you if you just band together with our local officials, I think we can come up with some good ideas for how we can just partner with them to reduce the burdens. Well, thank you all for joining us for today's show. We will be back again with another episode of the Greater Phoenix A to Z podcast soon. We are working on a full list of shows this summer, so you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Do me and our guests a favor and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. Also, please rate us five stars and leave a comment. It really helps us to get the word out. To keep up with everything that's happening in Greater Phoenix, follow GPEC at Greater PHX on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, be safe and well. Cheers. Cheers.